Shalom. This is Rabbi David Tilkiger of Congregation Mayim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshicheinu Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Avrachamim, Father of mercies, we worship you. We love you and we adore you. Father, I pray right now that as we open up your word today, that you will speak boldly into our hearts and our lives, that it be your word spoken, your voice received and heard. And Father, that nothing in me will be involved except that which you have ordained specifically for this purpose. Father, have your will and your way in this place today. B'shem Yeshua Meshachinu. And the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray in the Lord, uh, and the Lord says, and everyone says, Amen and Amen. Uh, all right, so this week we are in Parsha and more, Leviticus 21.1 through 24.23. Um, the past couple of weeks we have uh, been dealing with a number of Parshot that deal with uh, how we are to live our lives uh, as part of the people of God, or particularly as part of Israel. Uh, the Lord is revealing to Israel in the wilderness how he desires for them to live in the, the land of Eretz Israel, in the land of, the, of Israel, the promised land, so as to be a light unto the nations. And in particular, last week's Parsha, uh, or the second part, the second Parsha of the double Parsha, uh, was called Kedoshim, which means uh, holy ones, right? And it's a whole uh, list of commandments or ordinances about how we are, as individuals within the people of God, to live our lives uh, and to live a life that is holy before the Lord. As a matter of fact, he says over and over again, not just in Leviticus, but throughout the Torah, you are to be holy because I, your God, am holy. And so he calls us to be Kedoshim. He calls us to be holy ones. And as you've heard me talk before uh, a number of times, the Lord called the, the children of Israel, the children of Abraham, the descendants of Abraham out to be a light into the nations, to be an example of faithfulness, of uh, an example of, of a godly people before the nations. Because God didn't, I know it's hard to believe in the modern world that we live in, but God did not create Jew and Gentile. He did not create white and black. He did not create anything like that. He created humanity. He created Adam and Eve. All right? So from the very foundations of creation, it wasn't his plan for there to be Jewish people and Gentiles separated from each other, but for there to be his creation, his people, his children uh, restored unto himself. And so he called out the descendants of Abraham, the children of Israel, for one distinct purpose. And we read about it in Isaiah. He says, we're called out to be a light unto the nations. We're called out to be the people that God has chosen as his chosen people to carry his word in relationship with him to the nations that all of creation could be restored to the Lord of all creation, to the God of all creation, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one true and only God of Israel. Not so that we can be divided, but that we can live a life that calls the rest of the world back to unity, not in us, but in him and in his ways. And so in Parsha Kedoshim and a number of other places in the Torah, we see these lists of commands for the people of Israel to observe. But God also knows that as he's called Israel out to be an example before the nations, Israel also needs an example, right? So he gives, from Israel, he calls out the Levi, the, the Levitical tribe, the, the tribe of Levi, to be an example before the nation of Israel, who's to be an example before the nations around them. We go a little further, and we recognize, hey, God realized the Levites would need an example. So he calls out the uh, descendants of Aaron, the Aaronic priesthood, to be the example for the Levites. Now, the Aaronic priesthood are Levites, right? All Aaronic priesthood are Levites, but not all Levites are Aaronic priesthood. So he calls out the Aaronic order to be an example 
before the Levites, who are an example before the nation of Israel, who are an example before the nations. And each one of them, as we continue down this rapidly narrowing rabbit hole, each one of them has more commands upon themselves, right? Uh, as we move through, we see that the commands become a little more uh, robust. But with those, each of the commands, for instance, with this week's Parsha, Parsha more begins out with the holiness discussion for the priests. And each of them are actually things that they're to be examples for the nation of Israel for on how to be holy before the Lord. So he's called out the Aaronic order to be an example before the Levites, who are an example before the, the Israelites, who are an example before the nations. Then he calls out specifically the high priest, which is the firstborn order of Aaron. Right? So you have the Aaronic priesthood and then the high priest who come as part of that. Not all of those who are, are of the Aaronic priesthood got to be the high priest. Only a specific uh, firstborn lineage got to be the high priest. And so he called them out to be examples for the Aaronic priesthood, who would be an example for the Levitical priesthood, who would be an example for the nation of Israel, who is also a priesthood, uh, and then uh, an example for the nations. And so as we look through this week's Parsha, it's a follow-up to Parsha Kedoshim from last week's double Parsha. Uh, and so God's says, hey, now that I've told Israel how to be holy, now I'm going to tell the Levites how to be holy. The Levites are responsible for, the, the Aaronic priesthood particularly, responsible for everything the rest of the nation of Israel are responsible for in terms of obedience to the Torah. But there's more for them to observe so that each layer is able to see an example of holiness before them so that we never have an excuse to not live out a holy life. And so when we look at the beginning of this Parsha, that's exactly what it's dealing with is this narrative of how the priesthood is to be holy. And, you know, they can't become unclean by touching a dead body. They can't uh, marry somebody that's a, a prostitute or has been divorced. They can't, it's this whole list of things that, that go on for the priesthood. And you know why it's so important for the priesthood? To, to avoid these things that the Lord says to avoid? What is it the priests do? They go into the Holy of Holies to make atonement for us, for the people of Israel, right? Well, if the person who's to make atonement for us is unclean and unable to go into the Holy of Holies, guess who doesn't get atoned for? The nation of Israel, right? So it's really important for us to understand how all of this works and the process that it goes on. I say all of that, though, to bring us back to the reality that God has called the nation of Israel, the people of God, which in this day and age, post the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Messiah, Yeshua, includes Jew and non-Jew in the commonwealth of Israel, the, the, the body of Messiah as a whole in the commonwealth of Israel. And the reality is, is God has called us to live a life of holiness. And in the sense that he's called us to live a life that is holy, and he's given ex us examples of lives that are holy, he also shows us how every year he reiterates this image of, of living a holy life and what he's calling us to. So if you go to Leviticus chapter 23, verse 1, this is the very beginning of the chapter of Leviticus dealing with the Moedim or the appointed days of Adonai. Notice not the Jewish holidays, like a lot of people like to call them. They're not the Jewish holidays. They're not the Jewish feast days. They are the, day, the holy days of Adonai. They are the Lord's feast, the Lord's Moedim, the Lord's appointed days that he has allowed us to take part in, but they are his. So we go to Leviticus chapter 23, beginning with verse 1. Uh, it says, Then Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Bnei Israel, to the children of Israel, and tell them, These are the appointed Moedim of Adonai, which you are to proclaim to be holy convocations, uh, my Moedim, my appointed days. Now, in this, uh, the, this passage here in verse 2, uh, there's a very special um, wording that's used in the Hebrew uh, for uh, a call to holiness or a proclamation to holiness. All right? And it says that these are Mikra'e Kodesh, 
or a calling of holiness. So each of the Moadim, each of the appointed days are what the Lord calls Mikra'e Kodesh. They're a calling to holiness. All right, so when we blast the shofar to call attention on Rosh Hashanah, it's a call to holiness. When we celebrate Shabbat, when we celebrate Pesach, when we celebrate Yom Kippur, whatever it is, it's all a call to holiness. It's a call to realign our lives and our hearts with a holy God who has created us to be holy in him. So each of the Moedim has a very distinct purpose of reminding us of God's divine gifts to us. Now, they also have a prophetic realization, a prophetic purpose as well, and the Spring Feast prophetic purposes have been fulfilled in the first coming of Messiah, and the Fall Feast prophetic purposes will be fulfilled in the second coming of Messiah. But each of these feasts have a, a, uh, a reminder of the gifts that God has given us. So first we have Pesach. Uh, and Pesach reminds us of freedom and salvation as it was on Pesach that God brought us freedom from slavery in Egypt. Ultimately, as believers, we recognize it was on Pesach or Passover that he brought us freedom from slavery to sin through the blood atonement of Messiah Yeshua, our sacrificed lamb, right? On Shavuot, uh, we have a reminder of the Torah and the Ruach HaKodesh being given to the nation of Israel, to the people of God. Uh, Exodus 19 and 20, we're coming up on Shavuot in two weeks. Exodus 19 and 20 occurred on Shavuot. The, the divine voice of the Lord, the audible voice of the Lord heard by the nation of Israel, given the word of the Lord uh, in the Torah. Uh, the, this occurred on Shavuot. And then reiterating that in Acts chapter 2, the outpouring of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, who inspired? the words that we read in the Torah? The Holy Spirit. Who inspired the words that we read in the prophets? The Holy Spirit. Who inspired the words that we read in the writings? The Holy Spirit. Who inspired the words that we read in the Brichad The Holy Spirit. So in Acts chapter 2, not only did he place his Holy Spirit upon us and within us, but in doing so, he actually made his word a melded part of our DNA. He has placed his word upon us. When so Jeremiah 31, when he says, I'm going to give you a new covenant, which, by the way, is spoken to Israel, uh, not to the Gentile church, but to Israel, and the nations are grafted into the root and the fatness of Israel, not the other way around, all right? It doesn't get snatched away from Israel and handed off to the nations, but the nations are grafted into what the Lord is doing because God didn't call Israel to be a light into the nations to be drawn away from relationship with him and with his word, but instead he called Israel to be light nations to call the nations away from the enemy's grip and, the, 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 and paganism and so on and so forth. Uh, and so here we have uh, uh, Shavuot in which the Torah was given, the Ruach HaKodesh was given, so that we in fact now have his word etched upon our flesh which is that new covenant spoken of in Jeremiah 31. You've got Yom Teruah, or Rosh Hashanah, the, the Feast of Trumpets, uh, which is a, uh, a reminder of the gift of all of God's kingship. Traditionally, it's believed that uh, on Rosh Hashanah, we are, are, as individuals and as a nation, actually coronating God as our king because we know God wanted to be our king. He gave us a list of commands. He said, hey, the time's going to come. This is in Deuteronomy. Time's going to come when you're going to say, hey, I want to be like everyone else around me, which is the exact opposite what he called us to be. He called us to be separated and set apart from everyone around us. So everyone around us looks at us and goes, I want what they got. But instead, uh, he says, there's going to come a time where you're going to cry out to me that I want a king over me so I can be like the nations around me. And when you do, here's a list of commands that they're not supposed to do. And then we go to uh, 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 First and Second Samuel, and we see that, in fact, that's exactly what Israel says, verbatim to what God prophesied would be said in Deuteronomy. They say, hey, we want a king uh, over us so we can be like all the nations around us. And the prophet screams out, are you a bunch of idiots? I'm paraphrasing, by the way. Are you really a bunch of idiots? Uh, do, do you really, you don't realize that your king is the Lord Most High, your king is Adonai, Zebaot, your king is already over you. 
You aren't supposed to be subjected to a human king. As a matter of fact, God brought you out of Egypt to bring you freedom from being subjected under a human king. And now you stand here asking for a king. But don't worry, God's going to give you what you want. By the way, anytime God gives us what we want, bad choice. Bad choice, all right? Uh, we, we cry out for, uh, our, our prayers should be crying out for his will in our lives. I can tell you there's been a lot of things in my life that I wanted that had God given me, would have been disastrous. Would have been fun for a little bit, but it would have been disastrous. Um, and the reality is, is on Yom Tov and Rosh Hashanah, we're reminded of God's kingship authority over his people. Then we go to Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is a reminder of Teshuvah, a repentance, a return back to the Lord. Sukkot is a, a festival of joy. We're commanded to approach Sukkot with a heart of joy. We are commanded to be joyous during Sukkot. A lot of times that's really difficult, right? A lot of times it's really hard. But there's one, one moed, one appointed day that's greater than any of them. In Judaism today, we call the high holy days. We call uh, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur the high holy days because they were the only two of the moedim outside of Shabbat that we weren't required to go to the temple to celebrate. There was temple service that was mandate as part of this, the, the, the observance, but the entire nation didn't have to be there for it. But with the, the Shalosh Regalim, with Pesach, uh, Shavuot and Sukkot, which were the pilgrimage feasts, we were commanded to be at the temple uh, or the tabernacle to experience it. But there's one more that is uh, the greatest of all, the Moedim, the greatest of all the appointed times, Shabbat. As a matter of fact, when we read this Parsha, it's the very first one that the Lord speaks of. So in verse 1, again, we read, Then Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to B'nai Israel and tell them, These are the appointed Moedim, the appointed days of Adonai, which you are to proclaim to be holy convocations, my Moedim. Verse 3, Work may be done for six days, but the seventh day is a Shabbat of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You are to do no work. It is a Shabbat to Adonai and all your dwellings. Now on the Shabbat in the tabernacle and temple days, there were actually procedures for sacrifices and temple service that were obligated uh, during those days. But if you notice, all of the rest of the uh, Moedim that we read in Leviticus 23, in Leviticus 23, there are specific orders of service that are required. In Leviticus 23, we read about it. With the Shabbat, we don't see that. There's only two things we read about with the Shabbat. Keep in mind, the Shabbat's the most important, and we know that because we get it every single week, 52 weeks a year, every year of our life, right? Continually. It's the most important one, and it's actually a reminder or a call to holiness. But there's only two things about the Shabbat that are mentioned here that we are obligated to observe on the Shabbat. First is it to be a solemn rest. In other words, a non-work day. Whatever our ordinary work is, whatever we do on a regular basis to earn and provide for our family and put food on the table, we stop doing. All right? In my house, Danielle is, uh, is uh, uh, the uh, orchestrator of all things Tokajer residents. Um, I, I don't really can't think of a better title for it than that. Uh, she's, you know, she, she's a housewife, uh, for lack of a better way of wording it. And she does so much more than that, but she's a housewife. And so generally speaking, and, and by the way, it's her choice. I didn't tell her to do that. We talked about this years into our, uh, early on in our marriage. And she said, when we have kids, I want to stay at home. I don't want to work anymore. And I said, if that's what you want to do, I will make sure that that is possible. It hasn't always been easy, but I've done everything I could to make sure it was possible because uh, it's what she, she felt called to do. And so uh, in our house, uh, you know, housework doesn't get done on Shabbat because that's her regular job. That's what she does on a regular basis. Uh, and God bless her for it. <sighs> it's a lot of work. 
Uh, but she, she doesn't do housework. There's no housework that gets done in our house on Shabbat. Uh, uh, the, if you, you know, drive a mail truck on Shabbat, you're not supposed to drive a mail truck. If you uh, are a road worker on Shabbat, you don't work on the roads. You know, these are what God's calling us to do, to set aside the ordinary, right? Because Shabbat, the Arab Shabbat, when we sit down at the, the dinner table for Arab Shabbat dinner and we light those candles, we are demarking the, the separation of the ordinary from the holy. And the Shabbat is a holy convocation. And so we're commanded to rest on the Shabbat. The other thing we're commanded to do is the next line, uh, the next few words right after the comma here in the TLV. It's to be a holy convocation. So we're to rest and we're to have a holy convocation. You know what a holy convocation is? This. Gather together with like-minded believers and worship to the Lord. That's what a holy convocation is. So every week on Shabbat, we are commanded by the Lord to rest from our ordinary work to have a holy convocation with like-minded believers in the presence of our Lord. Now, both of these hinge on doing so in the presence of the Lord, right? And this is very important. This is, this is the most holy of all the holy days in Leviticus 23. It is the most important of all the Moedim, the appointed days, because it comes around every single week. It is a reminder of the greatest reality of what the Lord has called us to be, which is to be holy. The Shabbat is a reminder of the gift of holiness, get my note to open here. There we go. Um, in connection with verse 2, with this passage here about the Mikhre Kodesh, the, the holy days, uh, the, the um, Hasidic masters say this about it, the festivals are callings of holiness, or Mikhre Kodesh, as we've said, in the sense that each is a landmark in time at which we are empowered to call forth the particular holiness or spiritual quality embedded within it. On the first Passover, for example, God uh, granted us the gift of freedom. On the first Shavuot, he gave us his Torah. Uh, on Rosh Hashanah, God became the king of the universe. On Yom, it's believed that Rosh Hashanah is the day that all the creation was created, that he began his speaking creation to existence. So it's the day that he was coordinated as king. Um, so uh, on uh, Rosh Hashanah, God became king of the universe. On Yom Kippur, we received the gift of Teshuvah, repentance, and so on. But freedom, wisdom, awe, joy, peace, and the other divine gifts granted in the course of our history are constant needs of the soul. They are the spiritual nutrients that sustain her in her journey through life. God embedded these qualities within, every, uh, within the very substance of time and set appointed times at which they can be accessed. Each year, when we arrive at the ju junction of juncture of time where a particular spiritual spiritual quality has been embedded. We are granted uh, the, access, the ability to access it once again. The special mitzvot uh, or commandments of each festival are the tools with which we call forth the holiness uh, of the day. Eating mitzvah, uh, sorry, eating matzah on Passover unearths the gift of freedom. Sounding the shofar on Rosh Hashanah calls forth the quality of awe and so on with the appointed times of God. Now, I think that they look at this a little uh, skewed. Because these days aren't the only time that we can access these. We can access these gifts from God all the time, especially as believers. But what they are is a reminder of the need to access them all the time. Because far too often we get buried down in our day-to-day -day lives in the reality that we still live on this despicable planet. That we're still caught up in the world that is marred by sin and death and despair and the enemy's hand upon it. And the Lord reminds us on a regular basis every single week with Shabbat. Every time one of the Moedim approaches in the spring and the fall, it's a reminder of the necessity for our soul to access these divine gifts that he has given us throughout his creation. And then we go farther in Maria Yechezkel, uh, which is a book written by a, a, 
uh, Hasidic dynasty Rebbe, uh, says a king was traveling through the desert uh, and his son, the crown prince, thirsted for water. But instead of dispatching a horseman to fetch water from the nearest town, the king ordered a well to be dug at that very spot and to mark it with a signpost. At the present time, explained the king to his son, we have the means to obtain water far more quickly and easily. But perhaps one day, many years in the future, you will again be traveling this way. Perhaps you will be alone without the power and privilege you now enjoy. Then the well we dug today will be here to quench your thirst. Even if the sands of time have filled it, you will be able to reopen it if you remember the spot and follow the signpost we have set. This is what God did for us by the establishing of the festivals of these points uh, at these points in time when he initially granted us the gift of freedom on Passover, joy on Sukkot, and so on and so on. So the Lord says, hey, I've given you these gifts. Freedom is yours. Look, as believers, freedom was given freely with the blood of Messiah upon the stake, upon the cross. It was given freely when his blood was poured out upon the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies in heaven so that we could be redeemed from slavery to sin. Without a doubt, it is given freely to us. But each and every week when Shabbat rolls around, we are reminded of that. Because day to day from uh, Monday through Friday or Sunday through Friday, as we're walking, toiling through our regular work week, as we're toiling through our regular life, the sands seem to cover that well of salvation that we so uh, uh, graciously, that we so, so uh, abundantly are able to draw from. The wells of time, the wells, that, I mean the sands of time, the sands of this world seem to begin to cover that and, and we start to lose focus of it sometimes during that work week and then Shabbat comes around to remind us, hey, dust that well off because that's your well of salvation that you're to drink from every single day of your life because the salvation of Messiah Yeshua has been given to you. And we have this reminder and you've got to understand Unfortunately, most of the body of Messiah writes off this entire chapter. Most of the body of Messiah could care less about this because most of the body of Messiah believes that we've been completely freed from the necessity to even consider obedience to the commandments. You know what it is? What it is. Let, let people believe what they want to believe. I don't believe that there's any obligation for us to honor the Torah in terms of salvation. Not at all. The only obligation for salvation we have been given is the blood of Messiah and faith in his sacrifice. And that is it. That is our means for salvation. But you know what? Yeshua says, if you love me, keep my commands, obey my commands, obey my mitzvot. Guess what? When he said that, you know what didn't exist? The Gospels. They weren't written yet. That's why those words are in the Gospels. Because the Gospels were written after he said it. So what he's talking about. If we love him, we will be obedient the commandments aren't a burden upon us. When we equal them to salvation or we equal them to something greater than what they are, they absolutely are a burden. But when we honor them just out of the lead of the Spirit of God, it's not a burden, it's a joy. And these mitzvot, these, particularly these mitzvot about the Moedim, the appointed days, are very valuable and important. And in particular, the Shabbat, and I keep honing in on this idea of Shabbat because I truly believe it is the most important of the important days. It is the most set-apart of the set-apart days. Because it is given to us on a weekly basis. And I want to remind you real quick. We said there's only two things in Leviticus 23 we're commanded to do on the weekly Shabbat, right? What were they? To rest in the presence of God. And to have a holy convocation in the presence of God. You know what's interesting? The spring feasts all have prophetic rele relevance and prophetic revelation in the first coming of Messiah. The fall feasts all have prophetic relevance and prophetic revelation in the second coming of Messiah. But the Shabbat stands alone, neither in the spring or the fall feasts. Its prophetic revelation is in eternity. 
You know, there's only two things we definitively know about heaven. There's a lot of allegories. Streets are beautiful and, you know, made of precious metals and uh, big mansions and, you know, footballs we can throw in the front. Oh, wait, that's an audio adrenaline song. My bad. Um, that's not actually in the Bible. Um, but there's all kinds of allegory in the New Testament. And, and perhaps some of it is, is, is uh, also reality and perhaps some of it isn't. But there's two things we definitively know about heaven and what heaven will be for us as believers when we finally make our way into uh, the kingdom, uh, the gates of the kingdom. First, heaven is an eternal rest in the literal presence of God. And second, heaven is an eternal holy convocation with the angels and saints in the literal presence of God. So how many of us have ever prayed the Lord's Prayer and said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? And how many of us realize that the Shabbat is a part of that? How many of us realize that if we want to experience heaven on earth, we get a chance to every week, 52 weeks a year, every year of our life. We get the opportunity to experience heaven on earth every single week. Does it matter what day we worship God on? No, we can, we're supposed to worship him every single day of the week, right? The Baruch HaDashah says, pray without ceasing, meaning 24 hours a day, every day of your life, you're to be in prayer before the Lord. You want to figure out how to do that? Ride a motorcycle a lot. It becomes a lot easier. <laughs> but we're to worship God every day of the week, seven days a week, no question about it, but there's a specific day set apart righteous and holy above all others for us to experience heaven on earth. There's a reason why creation included the Shabbat. Notice the Shabbat didn't begin at Sinai. Shabbat began at creation right? Began at creation. We go forward to Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. It says, at that time, Yeshua said in response, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and of earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and discerning and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was pleasing to you. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Verse 28, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am, a gentle and hum I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yeshua doesn't mince words when he says that he is the Lord of the Shabbat, the Lord of the Sabbath. Why? Because it is in him and in his salvation and in his eternal kingdom that we truly find rest that we truly find rest from the things and the cares and the worries and the problems of this world. The problems that we have chosen to take upon ourselves because we've chosen to allow sin into our lives. But because of the blood atonement of Messiah Yeshua, we have been restored and renewed and been able to again access and, and interact with the rest that is freely given to us. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 let us fear then though a promise of entering his rest is left open some of you who would seem to have fallen short for we also have had good news proclaimed to us just as they did but the word they heard did not help them because they were not unified with those who listened in faith skipping to verse 4 for somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in this way and God rested on the seventh day from his work I wonder where that would be 
Verse 9, that was sarcastic, by the way. Verse 9, so there remains a Shabbat rest for the people of God, for the one who has entered God's rest has also ceased from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one may fall through the same pattern of disobedience. Now, in Hebrews, it's not just talking about the literal Sabbath rest on the seventh-day Shabbat, although that's a part of it. He's talking about the eternal rest in the kingdom of God. And hey, lo and behold, you know what Yeshua says over and over again? The kingdom of God is here. You know why the kingdom of God is here? Because you and I have been bought by the blood of the Lamb and brought into the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is here as much as it will be when it descends upon the earth. The kingdom of God is here because you and I are heirs to that kingdom and it is our responsibility to make sure that others are brought into the rest that is found only in that kingdom. We go forward to Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes all around and within. They do not rest day or night, chanting Kadosh, 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 Adonai, Elohei, Zavot, Asher, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts, who was and who is and who is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the one seated on the throne who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before the one seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they throw their crowns down before the throne, chanting, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created. The scripture tells us here that these, these uh, uh, beings, uh, these living creatures crying out, Kadosh, 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 Holy, 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 will continue saying this forever and ever for all eternity, which means when we enter eternity, we'll be joining with them in holy convocation and the literal presence of God, worshiping at the throne of God for all eternity. We will finally one day enter the rest that is promised to us, a rest that we get to sample every single week here on earth. We will get to enter into for eternity. Why? Because the one that we serve, the one that gave his life for our sins, the one that gave his blood for our redemption, the one that provided everything that each and every one of these Moedim, these appointed days remind us of, that sits on that throne is Messiah Yeshua. And he gave us freedom and salvation as we see on Passover. He gave us not only the Torah in Exodus, uh, but he gave us the Ruach HaKodesh, installing that word, uh, the word of God inside our hearts and our lives. He gave us the kingship and authority that is his and his alone that we may worship as uh, part of his kingdom. He gave us the opportunity for Teshuvah, for repentance on Yom Kippur. He gives us joy, a joy that can be only found in salvation, a joy that can be only found in the wells of salvation that never run dry. And you've got to understand as a congregation here on the eastern shore, our synagogue's name is, he is, is named what it is for a reason. Maim Chaim means waters of life or living waters. And Yeshua said, uh, if you come to me and you ask, I will give you waters of life that will never run dry because he is the wells of salvation that never run dry. And he has placed us here as a congregation in an area where water is everywhere. People live on it, play on it. Uh, people work on it. Everything that people do in this area is somehow or another connected to the bay, to the gulf, to the rivers, whatever it may be. Uh, all the time people are out at the water, but he's placed us here to lead people to the waters of life that will never run dry 
And it's important that we as a community and we as individuals take to heart the reality that each and one, every one of these Moedim, these appointed days found in Leviticus 23, are here to continually remind us, especially the Shabbat every week, but each and every one of the others throughout the year to remind us of the call that God has given us to be Kedoshim, to be holy ones, not for our sake, but for his, that others will see our lives and want what we have. And if you want people to see your life and want what you have, walk in the rest of his kingdom. Walk in the holy convocation and the utterance of praise that can only come forth from the wells of salvation, that can only come forth from the mouths of those who are part of his kingdom. We cry out all the time, Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we want to see your kingdom now. The reality is, is it's already here. And as believers in Messiah Yeshua, bought by the blood of the Lamb, we are already a part of it, and we, in fact, are that kingdom here on earth. And I believe in these days that we live in, which I truly and wholeheartedly believe to be the beginning of the end, it is more important now than ever before that we recognize that we are called to be holy, to be kedoshim, so that the world around us will want what we have. Because the truth is, for most of the body of Messiah, the world looks at it and laughs. They don't want what they have because most of the body of Messiah doesn't even truly uh, uh, take pride in what they have. But he's called us to be set apart righteous and holy so that the world around us will see the presence of God in our lives and want what we have and be drawn into the kingdom of God that you and I are a part of. And it's important now, I believe, more than ever that we, the body of Messiah, fall on our knees and repent for writing off the word of God. As the graphic says, do not blow off what is God breathed. And if we believe that God breathed the Brachadashah, the new covenant writings, we also have to agree that he breathed the Tanakh, the Old Testament. If we believe that he breathed the words of creation to existence and that he breathed his breath of life within us and we believe that he breathed his Ruach HaKodesh upon us, that same Ruach HaKodesh is what breathed the inspiration of those words into the lives of the people that wrote it, that give us the Bible. And that is now a part of who we are, an innate part of our DNA. And it's important that we come back to that reality. Do not write off what is God breathed. Amen. Avrahamim, Father of mercies, we worship you, we love you, and we adore you. Father, I thank you that you are a holy and gracious God, that you are a loving God, that you are a God who is constantly calling us in repentance back to you, Lord, day in and day out. And Father, may you prick our hearts that we hear your voice and that we continually return to you in true and total teshuvah, true and total repentance. Father, may each and every Shabbat as it comes around be a reminder of your call for us to be holy, not for our sakes, but for the sake of your kingdom for the sake of the lives of those around you, that you desire nothing more than to have them drawn into your saving grace. Father, you have placed us here as uh, part of your kingdom to restore your creation unto yourself. Father, give us a passion on our hearts to live out the Great Commission, to make disciples who make disciples. B'shem Yeshua Meshachinu. In the name of Yeshua Messiah, we pray, and everyone says, Amen and Amen.